Welcome to Shh. Mom and Dad are talking. Where we put the kids to bed, talk mad shit. And today we're talking about a very interesting topic today. And we have a guest with us uh, today as well. And what we're talking about was the announcement about Facebook and how they were censoring a couple of individuals. But I want to welcome to the podcast, to the show, Dr. Carter. Say what's up to the people, Dr. Carter. Greetings, family. It's a plum pleasing pleasure to sit here on this podcast and uh, with two highly intelligent individuals. I'm excited about the subject matter we're going to discuss today. Dr. Carter is a scholar. Um, has a lot of wealth of different experiences. And when I was thinking about this topic, I couldn't think of anybody else uh, to have on a podcast. So basically what we're talking about today is uh, if, if, if you've been paying attention, if you've been on social media anywhere like that, you know that Facebook recently um, censored a couple of individuals. And who are those individuals that they censored? One of them was uh, Farrakhan, Minister Farrakhan, right? What was the other individual? Alex Jones from InfoWars uh-huh. and Milo Yiannopoulos. Yeah, and a couple of other individuals. And what it's done is it's made people question, is what Facebook doing a violation of freedom of speech? So what are your thoughts just in general of just Facebook um, banning those individuals um, and, and somewhat kind of silencing the Dr. Carter? Well, you know, I think it's a slippery, slippery slope for Facebook to become uh, this thought police, this big brother, if you will, hmm. to determine who should be able to post comments on their on their social media site. I think it's dangerous because you don't know what the criteria really is. There's a lot of subjectivity involved in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they can ban you for saying something that they just don't feel comfortable with you saying. And so in a country like America that prides itself off of the freedom of speech, I think that Facebook is heading uh, this country in the wrong direction when it comes to understanding our place in social media. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the things you said that was real fascinating was the subjectivity and what it makes me constantly think about is who gets to decide? What is the criteria that these people use? And by what standard is speech or what is what is considered acceptable? Because in, in all things, like when you think about, let's say, on, a, on the job or employment, they may have a dress code or dictate what individuals can do and cannot do on a job. And it has a specific purpose. They kind of outline it to kind of remove the subjectivity from it. So that when they say, look, you're not in dress code, it's clear. But when you do something like this, like who has the right and who has the ability to say this is what the criteria is, especially when it's something so subjective? It's real. It just it just seems like how can you really police this thing and be object objective? Doesn't seem like it's possible. Well, see, that's the scary part. Who's who making up the criteria? Are are Facebook being uh, influenced by special interest groups? Mm. And see, that's the concern of a lot of people is that mm-hmm. there are special interest groups who have targeted mm-hmm. these specific people that Facebook have banned because these special interest groups don't like what they say about them. And so that's a dangerous space for Facebook to continue to allow themselves to be used by external forces. They allow the Russians to influence the American uh, uh, elections. elections and now they're allowing themselves to be influenced by special entry groups who have a problem with certain Americans expressing themselves. Mm-hmm. And social media seems to be 
the new frontier of as far as where people get their information and it seems to me that I don't know I think when people think of freedom of speech you know they think that they have the right to say whatever they want to without consequences mm. and you do have the right to say what you want to say be it inflammatory or not but there are consequences to that now Facebook being is Facebook a private company or is it a public yeah, company they're a private company a private company they can have their own standards I guess of what they think is appropriate acceptable. and acceptable but what I find interesting with Facebook is is that they like to toe the line between being um, a private, private company yeah. and a public company mm-hmm. they get to decide who they're going to just completely ban from uh, being who can have space on the platform and then also they would um, quickly get into government affairs and say hey we're going to give you information on this person and where their whereabouts and, and track them so it's very it's very I feel like they need to choose either you're going to be a public company and you're going to I guess kind of continue to do what you're doing or you're going to be a private company yes you do have the ability to say, hey, our private company, we're choosing to do this. And I think people need to understand, as a private company, now mm-hmm. I understand it's a private company, they can do almost what, what they, they want. want. But we but we were talking about that kind of off script, and you brought up a good point, which was you were talking about how if a company is towing that line so much so to where, what, did, how, what was the terminology used where they can sway public opinion so yeah, much? They can sway public opinion. And you made a very good point about where people are getting their information. 70% of Americans, according to some research, get their news from Facebook and mm-hmm. Google. Mm-hmm. Now, there have been uh, uh, court cases that have all reached the Supreme Court in regards to whether a private entity uh, can be put under the auspices of the First Amendment uh, Constitution's freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. One of the cases that was very interesting was a case uh, called the Prune Yard Shopping Center and Robin Several. Mm-hmm. What happened was young people were going out there doing a protest and getting signatures in the shopping center. The shopping center said that they were trespassing. The Supreme Court said because a shopping center is a quasi-public place, those individuals had a right to their freedom of speech mm-hmm. because the shopping center was under public. Another one I just want to say real quickly was another case in Alabama called Marshall versus Alabama in 1946, where the Jehovah Witness were sharing their information, had their name on a building. Uh, the company had that their names taken down. Uh, the Supreme Court said because that company had so much influence in that city, they failed, failed, uh, failed under the auspices of a public domain, and they also had to adhere to the freedom of speech. So I think that when this is all said and done, Facebook is going to be deemed a public space where people have the right to express themselves under the freedom of speech. Yeah. And it- the other thing I find pretty interesting about this is, for example, I've seen a lot of people on their timelines, especially uh, for Minister Farrakhan, standing up for him. Yeah, so many celebrities, just to name a few, Snoop Dogg. Um, there, there's been a number of different celebrities to step up and say, yo, what are we doing here? And they were saying, and a lot of people say, look, you can't silence us, we'll go to YouTube. 
And it's funny because I've seen people, for example, uh, I know uh, individuals who have YouTube channels where they're gun enthusiasts. And YouTube has now made it difficult where they've kind of created guidelines about the type of things that they can do with their firearms now. And even to the point where some individuals um, who have uh, gun channels where they may be just educating you on guns or shooting or just, you know, going over different types of guns, whether, hey, look, this is a, a gun that was made 60 years ago. Some just gun enthusiasts, they can no longer monetize their channels. And as a result, a lot of them have to go to things like Patreon and things like that to try to get people to support them that way. And it just kind of makes me think that kind of exactly what you were saying, like that whole Pandora's box thing. It's like once you open this up, where is it going to stop? Will it stop? And now will we see not only Facebook because, you know, Facebook, they own Instagram. I think they own Snapchat. They own probably the top companies that people are using or the top platforms that people are using on a daily basis. If you talk to people, probably, I don't, I don't know the actual stats, but I'm willing to say that the vast majority of Americans either have a Facebook or Instagram or a Snapchat. It's no doubt in my mind about that. So what do you guys think about that whole Pandora's box thing? Because even what if YouTube wants to do it? You know, like... I, I It sounds like they're already doing it. Yeah. Uh, you know... The, um, and, you know, I understand people can get very emotional when it comes to certain topics. You mentioned, you know, the gun control. That came from what happened in Sandy Hook. Yeah. You know, we would like to think that it's because of Philando Castillo being shot in his car by a police officer in Trayvon Martin, but really it was about those those six-year-olds being shot in the school. And so there, and then uh, the other high school, I can't remember the, the high school, in Florida. Yeah. But in those kids rallying about, you know, gun control. And so, you know, some things get lost in the fight to get gun control and what is yeah. considered so healthy. reasonable. Yeah. You know, and, and that goes exactly and it what it gets saying. lost in the shuffle and mm-hmm. there's no there's no nuance to hey I'm a gun enthusiast who's safely showing people how to use a firearm and you're connecting me with somebody who is you know a domestic terrorist who wants to shoot up schools and movie theaters mm-hmm. so it gets lost in the shuffle but I think the thing with Facebook is it's happening it, it I mean the the box is open it's going to become a domino effect and, and even and go ahead I, I think what we have to look here is that when the there's an introduction of new technology mm-hmm. there's always a fear factor yeah uh, when radio uh, was made uh, widespread and people were listening to radios for programming and commercials and other news there were some people who were concerned about the negative influence Uh, that music was going to have coming into their homes via the radio. And then when we moved into television, people had these same concerns about whether people would be able to express themselves and if they express themselves and offend other people, should they be censored? And there were laws put into place. But we later found out that with radio and television, those censorships were lessened because it came out to be revealed that people, freedom of speech were being uh, stifled. The same thing is with Facebook and other social media platforms. It is a new technology that's bringing up old fears that people have had, and I think that it's going to pan itself out. I think another thing that's going to happen with the government going to get more involved uh, is that Facebook is becoming too big 
And so the antitrust mm. laws of 1914 is going to kick in. When Bell South, Ma Bell was this big old company, and they broke it down into AT&T and mm. several other companies because they became too influential on how people communicated. Mm. Well, the same thing going to happen to Facebook. And I think when Pan, uh, Pandora's box was opened by Facebook, they actually... Uh, began the demise of the breakup of their company. Yeah. I, and I can they see it because when, when I did, when I found out that they were buying Instagram and Snapchat, I was like, why isn't anybody, why is that even possible? Why are we even allowing them to do that? Because they're so powerful. Because I've even had individuals, they want to change their name on Facebook or they want to upload something. Facebook like, nah, you can't put that up. Nah, you can't boost this post. Uh, or you can't change your name to that name. Is that a real name? And like you said, they just have so much control because a lot of us people are doing business on social. Cause it's not even just a simple thing of oh, I'm sharing images with my children. Most people I know myself personally, I use those platforms probably ninety nine percent of the time for business related things. So being impacted on that type of level, I think is is something that's um, interesting as well. Um, I think that one of the things a quick switch was I heard other people saying as well is like. Do we need to go back to some other platform? And they, people laughed and said, "Where's do you still got your Black Planet login?" And do you think we need to? Never had one. I know, right? <laughs> hey, <but laughs> we I, came up when Facebook was. Yeah. Was no, they had Black Planets when yeah, we was in high oh, school. Oh, you know what, Eric? Uh, Giles, Giles Don't be today. Look, <laughs> a lot of people. But the funny thing was, uh, everybody that I know, when they do talk about Black Planet, it was always talking about how they were hooking up. Like, they was like, it goes down on, like, it's never was like, yo, it's great for networking. Yeah. So. It was a dating website, basically. I mean, what, I don't know if it was a dating website, I mean, but I think that people into... just, yeah. But I think we need to have other platforms that we can go to that allow us to have some of the same nuances that we like about Facebook or Instagram. So what happens when that, that, that company gets <laughs> big and popular and then they get a, two billion dollar offer from facebook i know right and see that's the danger uh when you have a, a culturally sensitive uh social media platform come up uh, many times people sell out uh for profit and they're not sticking mm -hmm. to the true because sentiments of freedom of speech it will happen look yeah. at look at how everything most black people do on social media kind of gets hijacked i mean black twitter is a thing you know, like, that's one thing people say that, you know, I don't really on Twitter that much, but that's one people thing people say about Twitter is that you don't want to, that's one group you don't want to mess with is black Twitter. That's a thing, you know, mm -hmm. so it will happen to where that site will get so popular and then who's going to turn down a $2 billion payout? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, you know? we're all about the dollar here in America and you build something with the hopes that somebody would pay you hundreds of millions for it. And uh, just real interesting. I, I think I want to kind of, it, it was making me think about just, just this conversation in general. I was talking with someone and I said, will we ever go back to a time? I was reading an article and they were talking about, and this is kind of, it's about social media, but it's kind of a little segue. But they were saying that most people nowadays don't have a person that they can talk to intimately about things that are going on in their life because these platforms have allowed us to create so many superficial relationships mm -hmm. where we don't have real friends anymore. People are lonely. Yeah, they're lonely. Isolated. Yeah, they, they have 5,000 friends, 30,000 followers, but they're still lonely because those are not real relationships. And just like how I was reading something else that said that, and you guys may have seen this, 
that they said kids actually learn better by reading books that are hard copy books. Mm -hmm. That they learn better more when they're using writing with their hands and things than using tablets. So I just wonder, will we? Do you think we will ever go back to a time where meaningful relationships mean more than these superficial relationships that well, we have on social it's media? It's always been a cycle uh, between high touch and high tech. Mm -hmm. It's always been that. And human beings are sensory beings. We have to touch and feel things. And you're right, the research is, sh is showing that uh, social media is changing the behavior of individuals and how they interact and being able to pick up cues and all these other things. I think that there's going to be a reset button. Mm -hmm. and, and things like Facebook censoring uh, people's freedom of speech is going to only cause people to gather again in a high-touch society. We're going to start meeting people again mm -hmm. because people refuse to allow their voice to be silenced. So, you know, what could actually seem like a devastating thing could actually be the genesis of hitting the reset button where mm -hmm. people start gathering and meeting people again in parks and other places yep. where they can talk to each other and not be censored. And have think, meaningful experiences. I yep. think the economy plays a lot into that as well. I feel like once um, the economy changes, things aren't going well. I think people go back to those old things that they used to do where I remember when I was a kid and you know, you didn't have a lot of money. We had people come over on the weekends. Every weekend, we had a house some at somebody's house or our house mm -hmm. playing dominoes. And you with all your cousins and with friends from work and stuff like that. Or we'll have a cookout at the park or even doing simple things where we would sit and watch a movie together or play a game. Mm -hmm. Like Monopoly. Or, or go outside and play. Or go outside yeah. and play. We would be gone for hours on them bikes gone as long as you got back before the, the street lights came yes. on but <laughs> you didn't come home if you needed to use the bathroom go no. to so-and-so house and use the bathroom go mm -hmm. to so-and-so house to get a sandwich and then come home when the lights turn on mm -hmm. so i think that the economy when you don't have the money to do you know the online shopping or you can i mean it makes it technology makes it very easy for you to stay in your house yeah. you know um, your credit card is linked to everything. You can order a movie. You can order Uber mm -hmm. Eats. You can order, you know, everything can come to your house. I feel like once the economy changes, people are more apt to go out and go back and the pendulum swings to the other way where we're more active with each other mm -hmm. and being around each other. Yep. You know, where I work, you, you should, some of the things that I hear is very odd to me because I guess the generational gap but just the way that these people date now, what is considered dating is very mm -hmm. strange. <laughs> like in the communication and how they communicate is very strange to me. So, I mean. I think I think that <laughs> our generation, we were probably the last, last. generation that had it both. You know, I can ju just got the internet. Yeah, yeah, like I can remember when we didn't. Well, we had dial up. Mm -hmm. You know, I can remember when you wanted to call somebody on the cell phone. You have to press the same button five times to get the letter or the number you wanted. Yeah. Or when you send in a text now, you know with the technology the way it's moved. Or even if you wanted to, you know, talk to somebody, you'd have to be like, I gotta call you at eight o'clock. My minutes is free, you know. Yeah. And you actually talk to people, and it wasn't like. Oh, well, let me just friend you, and, and, and I might like something here and there. So I think it's going to be interesting to see when people say, you know what, I want to go back because 
people laugh at me when I tell them this. I tell them all the time that if I didn't have a business where I needed to be on there, I don't want to be on there. Like, mm-hmm. I wish, like, if I won a lottery tomorrow, $100 million, y'all going to be like, where Phillips at? I'm going to be in a cabin somewhere with no electricity, <laughs> no internet. I'm going to yeah. be unplugged. I'm going to be unplugged. But we have to begin the process very slowly. And even with our, with our children, you know, I took my family out to eat. Uh, and while we are at the table, I, I said, we, no one can pull out their cell uh-huh. phone. We're going to have to communicate with one another. And I think we're slowly going to have to start weaning people off of this social media addiction because we're giving the thought pro- police too much control over the narrative that we have. And so the only way we're going to be able to control this narrative is we're going to have to talk to people face-to-face about life in general. And so I, I do believe, as you all say, that there's going to be a twist back mm-hmm. to people having a more a high-touch relationship opposed to a high-tech. It's, it's just not working for yeah, us. And I, so I think that's why you know podcasts are so... Um popular now because people have been wanting that <laughs> we live <laughs> you right? get a dog but I think um, people have been wanting to have these long form conversations you know having these conversations that last for hours mm-hmm. about one subject and you get a podcast and it's for example you know um Game of Thrones or even just a movie or a book you read and people have these whole shows dedicated to this one show or this yeah. one book or the just in in what I think it taps into is people well not virtually well, virtually getting together and listening to something where they're interested in and they feel like they're having a conversation with another person about it um that they're not getting up close and I think that I don't I think that needs to kind of be replaced in a, a little mm-hmm. bit because it creates, I don't know the word for it, but it creates this ice, this form of isolation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's why they were talking about how this generation is the most depressed, the most, uh, the, the, this generation has the most anxiety as well. And I can't tell you how many college students I have who say they have depression or anxiety or even older adults. And it's because we don't have those real relationships. And then part of it, too, is I was reading an article. They were talking about how people are constantly comparing themselves to others. And you see in social media, you get a highlight reel. That's all social media is. Mm -hmm. Nobody posts. I look ugly this morning, or you get the highlight reel. I just you booed up on Instagram, but you didn't post how you just had a big fight. Yeah, about how they just overdrew the checking account, or you know. Yeah, you get the highlight reel. So you know, you see people. Oh, look at my car! My new car just bought. I just remodeled my whole kitchen. Or look at me! I'm on the beach, and you don't know how they got those things. You don't know they took out a third mortgage. You don't know that they overwhelmed the debt. I even saw one thing where people were faking like they were on vacations. Exactly. And here's the interesting thing about this whole social media and the control of Facebook. Uh, Back in 1999, there was a very popular movie called The Matrix in which Mm -hmm. human beings were plugged into this construct, uh, this computer program that controlled what they uh, saw, what they heard, what they read, and the the associations that they had. Mm -hmm. And the the character, one of the main characters named Morpheus, his job 
was to pull people out of this ma- out of this matrix. And I think that it is healthy for us to unplug ourselves out of this matrix because if the thought police which is a reference from George Orwell's book, 1984. If the thought police is allowed to control the the narratives of the people, then we are all actually in a mental slave plantation. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to have to make sure that we find a very safe balance of not getting all of our information from social media and depending on social media platforms to inform us. I'm going to date myself a little bit. Prior to this internet, uh, there was something called the party line. And the party line was on on the telephone where people would call into this one area and you had a group of people verbally talking to each other. And then, but they would also set up events where they met each other in the real world. Mm. And so I think that's where we're going to have to start using Facebook as a medium Mm -hmm. to force people or encourage people to come out of the virtual world into the real reality world of the real world. And that way that we can make sure that information, freedom of expression does not die and be controlled by the thought police. And I I think we can close it out on that and to, to back it up to, if there's never, if there's one thing that should show you exactly what Dr. Carr and what we're talking about here should be taken into consideration is when I found this out, it blew my mind. Um, what, what's the, uh, the guy that started Apple? Steve uh, Jobs. Steve Jobs. Uh-huh. And then who's the guy with Microsoft? Bill Gates. Bill Gates. Uh-huh. Do you know that when their kids were young, they were not allowed to have any access to technology? Mm-hmm. These are the guys that are have really revolutionized technology the way that we do things, and they won't even let their own children be on it. That so tells you a lot. That, that tells you a lot that we probably need to really reconsider some things that we're doing. And I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Dr. Carter, how can the people get in touch with you if they want to chop it up with you some more just to learn more about what it is that you do? Well, they can meet me out there on social media. You can <laughs> Look, uh, Henry M. Carter uh, 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 on Facebook, but also you can go to uh, www.henrymcarter.com uh, and also just really connect to me through those mediums and I can bring you into the real world while I do professional and personal development workshops uh, to help people become a better them and to use high touch techniques to foster greater interpersonal communication skills. Outstanding, outstanding. And then of course you know where to meet us, mom and dad are talking. We're on um, Apple Podcasts, we're on Podbean and then we're working on some additional platforms for you guys really soon. We're also on YouTube. So I hope you guys enjoyed the video. Please subscribe to our iTunes. We're not just a... (laughs) I don't want people to think that we're a Game of Thrones recap show because that was our first episode. We talk about various, various topics. And uh, go ahead and subscribe. Tell your friends to subscribe. Give us five stars on iTunes. Show us some love. That's what she said. And then look, I'm I'm going to hook you up. The next two things that we're talking about, um, we're talking about... um, Survivalists. Survivalists and <laughs> firearms and and should children be trained how to use firearms. And we, we actually talk with a survivalist and a firearms specialist. So that's that's gonna be the next one after this one. It's so dope. And then I'm telling y'all, y'all don't wanna miss that one. And then the next one we're talking about gentrification. 
because I had something crazy happen to me. Carter, Several times. Hit him with the, you know, you know the saying that we hit him with Carter. The saying we say, what we, what we I, say? I, I see everyone at the top because the bottom is way too crowded. Peace. Oh. Hit him, Candice. Yo, what happened to peace? Peace. peace. <laughs>